Well, good evening. How was Christmas? Good? Good. Has it been for you guys a, um, a relaxing, refreshing kind of season? Is that how Christmas goes for you guys? Yeah? How many would say yes? It's relaxing, it's refreshing. It has nothing to do with the message. I can set this down. I'm, I'm just curious. Anybody? Refreshing, relaxing, kind of this end of the year thing. Yeah? Crazy, hectic, really glad to have it over. Anybody? Okay. And some of you guys just don't like playing my games, and that's okay. Uh, just, I, I'm curious, because I love, um, for me, in... Um, so I'm, I'm the children's minister, the children's pastor at Rimrock Church, and so I, most of my role is up the hill on uh, Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, uh, but then um, I, get to, I get invited to come down here and uh, speak from time to time and uh, absolutely love this part of what I get to do. But the rhythm of ministry is, is interesting, what seasons get crazy busy for us in children's ministry, and in which seasons uh, allow us to catch our breath. And the end of the year for us, uh, for me, is a catch my breath kind of thing. So I enjoy that week before Thanksgiving and then just that um, kind of coast through the rest of the year, and it's a really nice thing. And in January, it's hair on fire again, right? Because uh, we're getting ready for summer and all kinds of good stuff. Guys, we're in the middle, in case you don't know, uh, we're in the middle of a series on Advent. Um, and, um, and we're just looking at how in our expectation, in our looking forward to what's coming, um, realizing that God is fully present in our today. So in this series, we're reminded or we're being reminded to look forward to the great gift to come. The inevitable conclusion to this chapter in history, the final crescendo of God's grand plan, the second coming of Christ. Man, it's good. It's good. It's good to to pick our heads up and to look forward to what's coming, especially when it's a super sweet something that's coming, right? And that's how it is for me. Early, uh, early November, mid-November, my eyes are up and I am looking forward to that through the holidays, right? And we pick our eyes up, get out of the, the detail of the moment. And in this series... It's about picking our eyes up and looking ahead to what is to come. What does God have in store? And what I love is that um, this group of um, this group of teachers that we kind of rotate uh, through, and I got the message about hope, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Man, we need it, don't we? We need hope, right? We need to be reminded there are good things coming. And uh, because sometimes we get distracted, don't we? Sometimes the, the details of the day, the details of the moment distract us. Sometimes the, the heartache of relationships, they get strained, they get stretched. There's tension. Sometimes those relationships break and they bring just incredible heartache 
and we get distracted from the hope that's available. Man, sometimes, sometimes it's um, the pressure of health that's failing. And maybe it's not our health, but somebody that we love, somebody that we're near, somebody that we're, that's dear to us, but health starts to fail and to fade. Ah. And we get distracted from what's coming. The truth, the reality of what's coming. But life distracts us. Sometimes our plans change. Sometimes our dreams die. Sometimes it's the daily living that just gets really heavy. And boy, don't we need a reminder about the hope that is ours about what's to come. So tonight, what I'm hoping is that we can collectively pick our heads up and put our eyes further ahead to be reminded about what's to come. What is it that sustains us in those times of heaviness and heartache and struggle? Um, It's hope. Look at Hebrews 6.19. I love it. The writer says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So as I was working on this message, as I was, um, as I was uh, of course, reading God's word and, and trying to, to, uh, to discover and to, to be reminded, what does God's word have to say about hope? That was really rich. And in the midst of that, I was also running across what some other um, people, some other believers were saying about hope and the way that they've interacted with God's, with the, the message of hope and the reality of hope in our lives. And here's, here's what R.C. Sproul, some of you guys would know him, by, uh, Bible scholar, longtime um, follower of Christ. And here he says, hope is called the anchor of the soul because it gives stability to the Christian life. But hope is not simply a wish. I wish that such and such would take place. Rather, it is that which latches on to the certainty of the promises of the future that God has made. I want you to catch a couple of the details in what he said there. A couple of key words that we're gonna that you're gonna hear over and over in this message, and that is we are anchored to the promises that God makes about our future. Man, promises, the promises of God, that's a thing. We're going to talk more about that. Biblical hope is not the same as optimism. Optimism says, well, I can't really see how all of these pieces of life are going to come together in some way that it's going to be okay, but I trust that all of those little pieces are somehow going to come together. Optimism, right? Uh, you know, having a, a positive outlook on life, it's, it's fine. It's good. It's good, but it can't be the only thing. Biblical hope is different. Biblical hope is rooted is latched to, is anchored to, and grounded in a person. And that person is God. In all three of his persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, 
and we anchor ourselves to that person. Our hope is tethered to that person. Look at what um, the writer says in Psalm chapter one hundred and I mean chapter one hundred and thirty, verses five through eight. The psalmist writes, "I wait for the Lord; my whole being waits, and in His word I put my hope." There's a hope. There's a hope that in the original word is there's a tension that happens. There's a there's a tension waiting for a release. Waiting for a moment when something is going to happen. And that's what the psalmist is writing. He's saying, I put my hope in your word. In verse 6, he says, I wait for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning. More than the watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your, here's the word again, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is, uh, with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. There's a tension that comes as we wait. We know that it's coming. We don't know when it's coming but there's a tension. We're waiting for the release. We're waiting for something to happen. And that we're tethered to the truth of God's word. What is true about God as he's revealed it? A guy named Tim Mackey um, works on a, um, a really cool ministry called the, um, the Bible Project. If you've never... Um, Check that out, you ought to, thebibleproject.com. Amazing. Uh, their whole ministry is about making the Bible understandable and accessible to people. And it's really cool, and they do it in some very creative ways. But the more I listen to their, um, to the things that they're producing, the videos and the podcast and the different ways that they're teaching people the Bible, the more I listen to that, um, man, I learn something every time. It's so cool. So Tim Mackey had this to say um, about hope, and it comes out of one of the videos um, uh, on, on, in their Advent series. And here's what he says. He says, it's God's past faithfulness that motivates hope for the future. You look forward by looking backward, trusting nothing but God's character. And just leave it up for a minute because it's a really, like the more you think about that, we look forward, right? We pick our eyes up and we look to what's coming. We look forward, but what puts that in context is what is behind. What has God done? What has God done? If we're going to tether our hope to a person, then we have to know that that person is trustworthy, that that's the right thing to tether our hope to. Because I'll tell you, there's lots of things in life we can tether hope to, right? We tether hope to another person, right? Uh, we, we get married, we have all kinds of dreams. We think this person is, what, what's the line in, uh, in, in the movie, right? You, you complete me, right? I like sometimes we, we tether our hope to another person, that doesn't always work out. Like I would, 
yeah, most of the time that ain't going to work out. Doesn't mean that they're not a great person. Doesn't mean that you can't walk through life together. But to tether your hope for the future in a person, mm, one bad day and everything goes shaky. Sometimes we put it in our 401k, our retirement plan, and our pension, and we say, man, I got my hope tethered to that. It's going to be there and someday, and then the crash, and uh, if you're going to tether your hope to something, make sure that it's the right something. Make sure that it's somebody that's going to sustain sustain you when those uh when those storms come we see an example of this in um in from the from the prophet hosea and this is what he wrote and and hosea was writing in the midst of a time when israel was um under oppression from evil uh, empire of people and here's what he writes in chapter 2 in verse 14 he says therefore behold I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her and there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope and there she shall answer as in the days of her youth as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt Okay, now you read that and you go, I don't even know what that means. It has nothing to do with hope, right? Here, Hosea is writing in this beautiful kind of uh, imagery of saying God's people, Israel, they're oppressed. They're downtrodden. They're discouraged. They can't. They are having a hard time getting their eyes up to see what the, the hope that's to come. And Hosea is saying, God, just like in your early days, Israel, when God showed up and rescued you from slavery out of Egypt, he can and will show up and rescue you again. This word in here, it says the valley of Achor. The word Achor means trouble. And they literally named a place in their journeys. They literally named a place Acor. We had trouble in this spot, right? Like the property values had to have plummeted right there in that like, I don't want to live there, honey, but it's a good place. No, I don't want to live in Acor, right? It meant trouble. And yet Hosea goes back and he says, that valley of Acor, God turns it into a doorway of hope. That in the midst of our trouble, in the midst of our heaviness, in the midst of our heartache, in the midst of our uh, hopelessness, God says there is a way out. And I know it. In fact, I create it. Come with me. He says, just like Israel responded in those early days when she was, even before she was a nation, just a very large group of people who were oppressed and enslaved, and God showed up, and he rescued his people. Hosea says, pick your eyes up, and look, because there's hope. God can show up, and even in the midst of your valley of trouble, God turns that into a doorway of hope. It's amazing. 
amazing what God can do. But we have to see it. Like we, we look forward by looking backwards. And here's the cool thing. God has given us this incredible record. His resume of showing up. And we're blessed with it because we get to see all that he's revealed. It's crazy. When my son Blake, who's uh, 17 now, when he was three, one of his favorite things to do is climb trees. And we lived in Arizona and uh, most of the trees um, in the area where we lived, any of the parks and that kind of thing, they were either huge sycamore trees where you couldn't get to any of the branches because they were all way, way up. Or they were mesquite trees, which kind of none of them grew straight. They all grew kind of crooked, and they were real low to the ground. And um, and uh, so we would go to this little park, and Blake would, uh, Blake would climb up, or did this day, climbed up in this mesquite tree, right? And so he's kind of walking up the the trunk and he gets into the branches and the the branch that he was on like was right here like I'm not a tall guy and it's not a very big tree but he was three and so that was really a big deal right and he's on this this you know limb right here and I'm like dude just jump like it's not a lot of like I felt cool as a dad but like that wasn't a really big deal like he's right here like literally I could just touch him right but I'm like Blake, just jump. Just, just jump. I'll catch you. Dude, you can trust me. I will catch you. Now, the story from here going forward could go one of two ways, right? So you, you, you're listening. You go, okay, well, it's either an illustration of you better put your trust in God because he ain't going to drop you like this guy's about ready to do, right? Or it can go the other way, and dad's like, woo right? Blake was not sure about the jumping, and he's like, ah, eat that. It, it, eat. and he's like, he squatted down on this limb of this tree. And, and I could see he wanted to, but he was nervous about it. And so he, he kind of just keep, kept scooching his feet just a little closer. Well, how big do you think the branch was, right? It's a, it wasn't that big. And pretty soon he ran out of branch and he kind of, he, he fell. Now, it was right here. Like it's not a, it's not like a big diving catch for me, right? But I caught him, and his eyes are like this big because he he didn't mean to, but he fell, and I caught him. I'm like, ha! I told you, I told you, I I catch you. And dude, when I put him down, what, what do you think the first thing was that he said? Anybody know? Guesses? I want to do it again. I want to do it again. Up, up the trunk, back to the same branch. This time, no hesitation. Jumped. And I caught him. And I set him down. And he did it again. And it became one of his favorite places to go. When we went to the park, he climbed up the tree. Dad, catch me. Dad, catch me. What was it that gave him confidence the second time and the third time and the fifth time and the 20th time because of the track record that he had with his father? And God has given us his track record so that we can see that over and over and over hope 
tethered to him is trustworthy. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. I was reading a book um, called Unshakable Hope by Max Lucado, and in there he references uh, one guy who, <clears throat> as he was reading through the Bible, began to tally uh, how many promises God makes to people through the whole Bible as he was reading. And the number that he came up with, 7,487 promises through scripture that God makes to people. Now, what makes that number impressive is not that it's big, is it? Like, if we really set our minds to it, couldn't, couldn't we make more than 7,400 and 87 promises over a couple thousand years? I mean, couldn't, couldn't we do that? Yeah, well, I mean, so it's not the number that's impressive. What is it that makes it impressive? God's word is binding. God has never made a promise that he has failed to keep. That's what makes it impressive. When God says something, he does it. And this is God's track record. Francis Chan in his book, uh, Crazy Love, says, True faith means holding nothing back. It means putting every hope in God's fidelity to his promises. I had to look it up. Fidelity means faithfulness. Just, just letting you know. Okay. <clears throat> God's faithfulness to his promises. And when we, put, we push all our chips in and we say, I'm betting on him to come through, that's a good bet. That's a good bet. We don't have time to tell all the stories or to give you all the examples, but I'll give you some highlights as we kind of move our way through um, God's word, Noah put his hope in God's instruction. What did God tell Noah to do? Build an ark. You know what makes that like an act of faith that Noah said, okay, I got the building list. I'm ready to go. And he started working on it. You know that he, he worked on building the ark over a hundred years. Like, dude, I'm building a house. It's been a few months and I am so stinking ready for that to be done. And Noah worked on it for uh, over a hundred years. And you know, the thing is, it had never rained. But God says, it's going to rain. And Noah's like, okay, here we go. And he began working on it. Noah put his, he put his hope in God's instruction. He built the ark. And God saved him through the ark. Abraham put his hope in God's promise. And Abraham left everything that he knew. His country, his family. He left everything that he knew. And God came through and made him a nation with a land that was a blessing to all of mankind. Abraham put his hope in God's character. When God said, go and uh, 
sacrifice, offer as a sacrifice to me your only son. And Abraham put his hope in God's character when he said, God will provide the sacrifice. And God provided. The nation of Israel put their hope in God's power when they crossed the Red Sea in front of the Egyptians. And God parted the water and they didn't get their feet muddy. Joshua put his hope in God's might and they marched around the walls of Jericho and God rocked that city. Mary put her hope in God's word when she said, let it be according to your word. And God sent his son into the world. And that son put his hope in the father's plan. When the night before he was crucified, he said, not my will, but your will be done. And God raised him from the dead and glorified him. God's track record is really good. Hope tethered to him is a hope that has no reason to fail. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday And today and forever. The God of the Bible, the God that we read about from the first pages to the very last pages, is the same God that we worship today. The same God that we tether our hope to today is the same God. He does not change. And that's why he can anchor our hope. Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And here I think is our key verse for tonight. Romans fifteen thirteen says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see that it, God doesn't even leave it up to us to have the strength to place our hope in him. He says, my Holy Spirit will work in you. And that's where it's tethered. In my character. And I don't, I don't change. Hope is a choice. We choose to place our hope in God's track record. We choose to place our hope there. Do our circumstances look bleak sometimes? Yeah. Does life get heavy? Yeah. Jesus, kind of spoiler alert, Jesus said it, right? And in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus himself says, I have told you these things so that In me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. What? I have overcome the world. He says, even in the midst, life is going to be heavy. But even in the midst of that, I want you to have peace. Because you're anchored to me. You're tethered to me. 
and I don't change and I can handle this. I've faced everything that you're going to face and I've come out on top. I know the ending of the story and it's good news. I've overcome. I've overcome. And the big question then is how can we do that? And I just want to make three suggestions to you tonight. How can we, in the midst of life feeling heavy, how can we choose hope? How can we choose hope? And here's the first one. Just suggestions to you. There's probably more and there's probably better ones. But here are three suggestions. One is know God's promises by reading his word. How can we, how can we choose hope if we don't know what God has done in the past? And if we don't know his track record, if we don't know his promises, it's so much easier to go to the next best thing that we can see or we convince ourselves because it's tangible. You know what? Know God's promises by reading his word. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen, the it is finished, let it be, the amen is spoken to us, is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. No matter how many promises God makes, they are yes in Christ. Anchor to that. Here's the second suggestion. Keep your eyes on the one who never changes. Keep your eyes on the one who never changes. Psalm 16, 8 says, I will keep my eyes always on the Lord, for with him at my right hand I will not be shaken. When life gets squidgy, Look to the one who never changes. Keep your eyes fixed there. And part of that's keeping our eyes up. Looking ahead to the day that's full of hope. And here's the last suggestion is to hold on. Hold on. Now, truth be told, sometimes that has to go first. Because it's the only thing that we feel like we can get done. Just hold on. Because life, life gets heavy. I want to go back to this Romans chapter 5, but I want to look at the verses that came before verse 5. So starting in verse 3, here's the whole context of what we read, that hope does not disappoint or put us to shape. Look at what it says. Not only that, but we rejoice in our what? Life gets heavy. Life gets hard. Life gets scary. And Paul says, we rejoice when life gets hard. Now, why would he say that? Look at what he says. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. 
the anchor won't let go. The rock won't move. Hope will not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Folks, no matter what the trouble is that we face, we can choose hope. And it's not across your fingers. I hope it works out. It's a hope in a God with an incredible resume that over and over and over and over he makes promises and he comes through. Over and over and over he meets his people right where they are. And in the midst of the valley of trouble, he creates a door of hope. Let's pick our eyes up. And let's refocus on the one who never changes. God, I thank you for tonight. Thanks for our time together. Thank you for the incredible encouragement from your word. And God, it is amazing to us that you never change. We are fickle. We, uh, we're distracted. Sometimes we change minute by minute. But God, tonight, pray that you would draw our hearts to, to choose hope that's anchored to you. And that the end result of that is not just peace and joy in our lives, but that, God, we would have a message and a testimony that we would be able to share to others that you would get the glory and others would be introduced to the God of the universe who is the same yesterday, today. And tomorrow, we love you. Amen.